You're listening to the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast coming to you from the heart of Honolulu. Hui Kala is a committed family of faith that loves Jesus and loves one another. Grab your Bible and prepare for preaching from the Word of God from Pastor Anthony King. Once you grab your, uh, grab your Bible, turn your foot to Galatians chapter 1. We're continuing our series entitled Only Jesus. Uh, this is uh, week number three in our study of Galatians. Galatians chapter number one. To give you a little bit of a context here of, uh, of this letter that Paul wrote, Paul didn't write it to an individual church the way he did at the church at Corinth, the book of Corinthians. He wrote it to a group of churches, the churches at Galatia. Four churches that we know of that the book of Acts tells us that Paul was a part of in the Galatian region. Uh, but we don't know exactly what churches he was writing to, just that he was writing to a group of churches that were having the same problem. Uh, the problem was some folks had come a, a, into the church and began teaching them uh, some things that were contrary to the gospel. Uh, they said, it's good that you follow Jesus, but you still have to be an Old Testament Jew. Uh, it's great that you're a Gentile and you want to follow Christ and you're accepted his gift of salvation, but you must also be circumcised. You have to keep the ceremonial law. You have to keep the dietary laws. And Christianity is just a bolt-on to Judaism, they taught. And we sometimes refer to these folks as the Judaizers uh, because their, their whole goal was to turn Christianity into a flavor of Judaism, uh, which it's not. Uh, Christianity is a fulfillment of Judaism and the fact that uh, there was a law that needed to be fulfilled and no one could do it until Christ came and Christ fulfilled that law, uh, thus rendering it obsolete and started a New Testament, a new way of doing things that we would have to put our faith in Christ alone and his finished work on the cross, not our faith in a Messiah to come. So uh, Galatians chapter one, we'll start in verse number one. We'll go down to you, uh, verse number nine here. Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by men, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. And all the brethren which are with me to the churches of Galatia, grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father to whom be glory forever and ever, amen. Now Paul shifts gears. Hey guys, here's the letter. Uh, glad to talk to you for a minute. And he shifts gears to verse number six. And he says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ into another gospel. I'm shocked that you so quickly have turned your back on Jesus Christ and gone after another gospel. In verse number seven, he says, which is not another. There is no other gospel but there'd be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, we say now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. We see here that the message of the gospel is a non-negotiable. The message of the gospel is something that you can't change, you can't mess, mess with. It is what it is. And those who would attempt to pervert the gospel, Paul comes out and says, let them be accursed. Let them be cast from you. Let them, this is heavy terminology, that the word accursed means, let them be damned to hell because that's where that truth belongs because it's not a truth, it's not a gospel, it's a false gospel. And so really, Galatians is a defense of the gospel, that we can have faith in Christ alone, and his grace alone, not anything that we do, not a religious system, not things that we can add to the message of Christ, but Christ alone is enough for our salvation. That's the idea behind the, the book of Galatians. It's a strong defense of the gospel. That's why we've entitled this series, Only Jesus. You see, the true gospel is the gospel of grace. You see, the gospel is a message that says you don't deserve God's forgiveness. The word grace means undeserved or unmerited favor. That God has given you something that you do not deserve. Not because you're good, not because you're lovable, not because you've done anything to deserve it. Grace is you have done nothing to deserve it, but it's given to you anyhow. 
God is gracious and God is also merciful. God's merciful in the fact that he withholds from you the punishment that you deserve. That's God's mercy. And God gifts you with something that you don't deserve and that's God's grace. And the true gospel is this. You have sinned against the holy God. I've sinned against the holy God. Not once or twice or that one time when we were in college. Every single opportunity we get to choose God's way or our way, we choose our own way. Because at the core of who we are, we're sinners. It's woven into our DNA. The Bible says in Romans chapter five, as sin entered into the world, sin and death passed upon all men for all have sinned. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every single one of us have broken God's law time and time and time again. And there will come a day of reckoning, a day of judgment, a day of payment where we have to settle up our account with God. And the Bible says the wages of your sin is death. Because of your sin, you have earned yourself a place in hell for all of eternity. You will be required to pay for your sins with your own soul. That's a heavy payment. The Bible says that we're born into this world spiritually dead. That we're physically alive, but our spirit is dead. And then when we die, we'll die a physical death on this earth. They'll dig a hole there, put, a, put our body in it, and cover it up with dirt. After that physical death, there comes an eternal death. Death, spiritually, death, physically, and an eternal death separated from God in hell for all of eternity. Revelation chapter number 20 speaks of the great white throne judgment. And all whose names were not found written in the book of life were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Heavy stuff. But God demonstrated or demonstrates his love toward us. Romans 5, 8 says, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That Jesus came and died in your place so that you didn't have to die. Jesus came and suffered on the cross, taking upon himself our sin. That's why I love that song so much because the Bible says that he who knew no sin became sin for us. That Jesus didn't just take the responsibility for our sin. He became sin for us so that we might be made the righteousness of God, the Bible tells us. And Jesus died in our place. But that payment that Jesus made on the cross still needs to be applied to our accounts individually. You see, there must be a time in your life where you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. You receive his payment by being born again. John chapter three, Jesus says to Nicodemus, no man shall see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. That being saved from your sin is the only way you can have Jesus's payment applied to your account. It requires you to profess your sinfulness before God, repent of your sin and turn to Jesus Christ. That's the only way that you can be saved from your sin. That's what Paul is defending here. The fact that Jesus Christ alone Faith alone, repentance alone is the only thing that can save us from our sins. And he calls anyone who would try to take that message and twist it a perverter of the gospel. Heavy words, he says. And he goes on to say, let them be accursed from us. You see, the true gospel is a gift. We can't do anything to earn it. Valentine's Day is coming up. Fellas, sometimes we need a reminder fellas, Valentine's Day this week, write it down, put it on your calendar, set a reminder on your phone. Now, if I come home with a pound of seized chocolate, which is a lot of chocolate, and I give it to my wife and I say, sweetheart, I love you. I give you this gift to you. She opens it up. She goes, wow, that's a lot of chocolate. I said, it is a lot of chocolate. I'm a lot of man and I got a lot of love. It's a lot of chocolate. And she pulls out her wallet and she goes, how much do I owe you for this? I mean, how much does a pound of seized chocolate cost? I'd say, no, 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 it's a, it's a gift that I'm giving you. No, 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 well, well, let me get you something then too. And we'll just kind of trade. No, 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 it's a gift. I'm not expecting anything in return. Well, well, let me at least pay you for it. That would be embarrassing, wouldn't it? I might even take offense to that, like, you don't understand. I'm giving to you out of my love for you, but you want to pay me for this? That, that negates the gift relationship that we have. God extends his salvation to us as a gift. Here, I love you. I want to forgive you of your sins. I just need you to repent and turn to me. And we say, great. 
How much do we owe you for that? And God's like, no, 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 no. I don't want anything for it. Well, maybe I'll get baptized and then I can take your gift that you have. God says, no, 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 don't do that. Well, maybe I'll just go to church every Sunday and then maybe I'll be good enough to get that gift. God says, please don't do that. What if I live my whole life and just try to be really, really good and try to do good to my neighbor? Maybe I can then take that gift. God says, then it's not a gift any longer. Grace is what you don't deserve. And if at any point you and I begin to feel like we deserve God's forgiveness or we deserve to go to heaven, we've lost the essence of what the gospel is because the gospel is a gift of grace. It's not of works. Ephesians chapter two, verses eight and nine. Turn your Bible back to Ephesians if you would. Actually, uh, over to the right. Next book over, Ephesians chapter two. Verses eight and nine, you should circle, star, underline in your Bible. Ephesians chapter two, verses eight and nine, for by grace are ye saved through faith. Grace, there's that word again. And not of yourselves, it's not anything that you did yourself, it's the gift of God. There's that word gift again. Not of works, lest any man should boast. You see, if it was of our works that we were saved, we could boast about it. If I got to church, if I got to heaven based on my church attendance, I could brag about it. I told you guys this morning, I haven't missed a single solitary Sunday in five and a half years. Anybody else got a record like that? Yeah, I didn't think so. I can boast, right? Because it's me and it's what I've done. But if I say to you, I have woefully sinned against the holy God. I have wrecked my life at every opportunity that I've gotten to take over the steering wheel. Every choice that I've made of my own power and my own wisdom, I have failed utterly. I think most of us would say, yeah, me too. And I am saved not because of who I am, but despite who I am. I'm not saved based on my goodness. I'm saved despite my sinfulness because of the grace of God. That's what makes it a gift. That's what makes it grace. And the Bible tells us that grace and works are mutually exclusive. They don't go together. It has to be one or the other. Turn if you went over to Romans chapter 11 in your Bible. Romans chapter 11, verse number six is another one of those verses you should circle, start, underline in your Bible. So if we're saved by grace and it's the gift of God and it's not of our works lest any man should boast, Romans eleven six, Paul says this, and if it's by grace, then it's no more works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it's no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. So grace and works are mutually exclusive. You can't do both. Either I'm, I am trusting for my salvation based on the finished work of Christ on the cross or I'm trusting in my salvation based on what I have done to earn my spot in heaven. I can't do both. So for folks who say, well, I trust in Jesus' work on the cross, but I also think I need to get baptized and go to church and give money to the church and take communion and things like that then you're not trusting in the work of Christ on the cross. And let me just help you with something this morning, tonight. Let me help you with something tonight. If I have to add anything to what Jesus did on the cross, Jesus should have never had to die. Why did he have to die if I still have to do my part? If I've got to do my work to hopefully make it to heaven one day, why did Jesus have to die? The Bible says that he died for our sins, to pay for our sins, completely and totally top to bottom. Not to pay for some of our sins or most of our sins. He died for all of our sinfulness. And if I have to add to the work of Christ, then we nullify the work of Christ. And let me just tell you this, any religion that would add to the finished work of Christ is a spit in the face of what Christ went through on the cross. It's utterly disrespectful and blasphemous to add to anything to the gospel. 
That's why Paul is vehemently angry about this. Uh, I was telling a friend uh, last week, I said, I was reading through some study and some commentary on this, and I came across and it said that Galatians was the only letter that Paul wrote to a church that he didn't give a word of commendation. Like, hey, you're doing a good job in this area, but let's work on this area over here. And I thought to myself, that can't be true. In six chapters, he had to say something nice to him, right? I flipped through there. He says nothing nice. And he starts off in verse number six. I am marvel. I'm shocked. I'm embarrassed for you that you are so soon removed from him who called you out of the junk that you were in before. And he just doesn't let up until the end of chapter six because this is serious stuff. We're not talking about uh, dietary restrictions. You know, does this person eat meat or does this person not eat meat? We're not talking about two Christians that can't get along and they're mad at each other and they sit on opposite sides of the church and they don't talk to anybody. We're talking about the gospel, which has the power to save or the power to send to hell. You can't mess around with that message. So it's serious stuff. So as we look at this uh, false gospel that we find, Paul speaks of a false gospel. We talked about some of them last week. We're gonna take over the next three weeks. Uh, we're gonna be taking a look at some of the prevalent false gospels in our society today. Tonight is the gospel of works. The idea that we can add to the gospel. That we can add works, religion, a system onto this gospel message and find salvation. It's just simply not true. I want to preface what I'm getting ready to say here tonight because I'm going to speak very directly. I'm not going to beat around the bush about anything. I'm not going to say, well, there are some religions that might say this. I'm going to call out the religions and what they are and why they're false. I want you to know this. The Bible says that knowledge puffs up. If you're taking really good notes tonight so that you can go to work tomorrow and blast your coworker, you're doing this the wrong way. If you're trying to get ammo so that you can call up your Aunt Gertrude this week and tell her what's what, you're doing it the wrong way and please don't do that. The idea is not that we're gonna have more stuff to argue about or that we're gonna be better equipped to go uh, and light people up at work. If you do that, you're not, you don't have the spirit of Christ. The idea here is that you would know truth from error, that you'd be a mature Christian that when you hear something that doesn't line up with scripture, you go, oh, hang, hang tight for that, just say, that's not biblical. The idea is that you would be mature in your faith and you would know what's what. And when somebody says something like, well, Jehovah's Witnesses are Christians too, aren't they? You'd say, actually, they're not. They believe another gospel, which is not another gospel. It's a perversion of the gospel. And we don't say that being mean. We just say it for what it is. And we call truth, truth, and error, error. One of the first... Uh, probably the most prevalent gospel of works that we find in the world today is the religion of Catholicism. Catholicism says that there are seven sacraments. According to the Catholic Church, and these um, quotes that are taken that you find here are not something that we drug up on the internet. These are found in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. You can buy it at Barnes & Noble. I have a copy sitting on my shelf. Since there are seven sacraments, they were instituted by Christ and given to the church to administer. They are necessary for salvation. Just stop right there. We don't have to go any further. To say that the sacraments are required for salvation negates the work of Christ on the cross. We can stop right there. We don't have to go any further if we wanted to. And again, I want to pause here for just a second. Sometimes people say, at the end of this, they'll say, well, I have a, an uncle who's Catholic. Is he, does that mean that he's not saved? Let me tell you this. I want to be very clear on this. Someone that adheres to the black and white Catholic doctrine and believes it from cover to cover is not saved. I'll say that. But I have met Catholics before who are Catholic because they're Italian or they're Catholic because they're Filipino or they're Catholic because they grew up in Boston who believe similar to what you and I believe, but they go to Catholic mass because their, their grandmother wouldn't let them come to Thanksgiving dinner if they didn't, okay? That doesn't mean that these people are not saved. I'm telling you, if you believe Catholic doctrine from cover to cover, black and white, the way that it is written, you are not saved. Because right here, 
in the opening statements that the sacraments are required for salvation. The sacraments are vehicles of the grace which they convey. In other words, we receive grace through the sacraments. They're validly administered by the carrying out of the sign with the proper intention. Not all are equally qualified to administer the sacraments. The validity of the sacrament is independent of the worthiness of the minister. In other words, it doesn't matter if the priest is any good or not. Uh, the sacrament is the sacrament. Three sacraments imprint an indelible character. According to the Catholic Church, the very first uh, 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 sacrament you must receive is the, the sacrament of baptism. The seven sacraments are baptism, the Eucharist, confirmation, confession, anointing of the sick, marriage, and holy orders. According to the Catholic Church, holy baptism is the basis of the whole Christian life, the gateway to life in the Spirit, the door which gives access to the other sacraments. Through baptism, we are freed from sin and reborn as the sons of God. This is why Catholics will baptize babies shortly after birth. The idea is that they would wash away the sins of this child that's come into the world. Uh, let me just tell you this. There's no point in the entire scripture at all where water would wash away the sins of anyone, much less a child. This is one of the reasons why the Catholic Church is so against abortion and so pro-life. Hey, we are big time pro-life. We are ultra anti-abortion because we believe that every child deserves the opportunity to live, every single one. We believe that abortion is murder in the womb and is legalized genocide is what it is. We believe that beyond a shadow of a doubt. The Catholic Church believes similarly, but they believe that every child should have the opportunity to be baptized. And these children that are murdered in the womb have no chance to be baptized. Therefore, every aborted child goes to hell according to the Catholic Church. So for them, they're ultra against abortion because we're sending babies to hell, according to them, because they never got the opportunity to be baptized. Again, folks might look at the, hear a message like this and say, uh, you know, you're so judgmental against Catholics. I wanna be very biblical against any type of religion that would bolt on things to the gospel. But any Catholic that was worth their salt that actually believes what Catholics believe would tell you and I that we are going to hell because we have not been baptized in the Catholic Church. So this is not like everyone's so accepting except for us and we're so uh, down the line. They say that the only way to receive grace is through baptism. Baptism, according to them, is the source of that new life in Christ from which the entire Christian life springs forth. According to them, the Lord himself affirms that baptism is necessary for salvation. By baptism, all sins are forgiven, original sin and all personal sins, as well as punishment for sins. This is troubling on a million different fronts. And this is why sometimes when you talk with folks, you say, hey, has there been a time in your life where you've accepted Christ as Savior? And they say, well, I got baptized when I was a kid. That wasn't the question that I asked. Has there been a time where you've been saved or born again? Well, I remember when I was a baby, I don't remember it, that I was baptized. Does that count? No. Let's talk about the gospel and why that's important. So again, sometimes folks will say, well, I got baptized when I was a teenager, and you get into the gospel a little bit, and they realize, okay, yeah, I got saved at a revival, and then I got baptized a couple weeks later. That's fine. But if you're trusting in your baptism to save you, friend, let me tell you, you are not saved. According to the uh, Catholic Catechism, baptism not only purifies from sin, but also makes the person a new creature, an adopted son of God who has become a partaker of the divine nature, a member of Christ and co-heir with him in a temple of the Holy Spirit. In short, the Catholic Church teaches that the salvation is a gift from God. <laughs> gift from God. The normative way we receive that gift is through the seven sacraments, beginning with baptism. Anybody see a contradiction there? It's a gift that you can have as long as you check off all the lists on the, the checklist. Sweetheart, here's a pound of ceased chocolate. Make sure that you get the laundry done, the floors get vacuumed, dinner gets done. You say, wait, 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 wait. It doesn't work that way. You're, you're absolutely right. That's not a gift any longer. You're trying to earn your salvation. Again, according to the uh, Catholic Catechism, no one can doubt that the sacraments are among the means of attaining righteousness and salvation. Friend. That's a gospel of works, which is not a gospel at all. Someone who has their faith in the religion of Catholicism is not saved. Again, does it mean that there can't be any saved Catholics? I did not say that. But let me tell you this too, just because you call yourself a Baptist doesn't make you saved either. 
It cuts both ways. I'm not saved because I'm a Baptist. I'm a Baptist because I believe the Bible. I'm saved because I put my faith in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I've repented of my sins and put my faith in Christ. That's why I'm saved. I'm not saved because I'm a member of this church. Hey, folks come here every week that aren't saved. We've had folks that have come to our church for years that are not saved. So it's not a matter of what label your church has on it. It's about what do you believe about the Bible? Is Christ enough? And again, if you were to read the uh, Catholic, the, the catechism of the Catholic Church in the opening pages, it says that the church at Rome is ruled by the holy scriptures and holy tradition. And they are given equal standing as far as faith and practice. We as Bible-believing Christians would say, we stand by the Bible and the Bible alone. This is why uh, the Protestant Reformation that took place was so incredibly uh, huge for Christianity. Now, there have always been Bible-believing Christians who just stuck by the Bible, who were the Bible-believing Christians throughout all ages. But there's a group of folks who came out of the Catholic Church that said, hey, we believe in Scripture alone. And that sparked the, the Protestant Reformation. Many folks came out of Catholicism. Some of them didn't come far enough out of Catholicism and hung on to some traditions that, uh, that they maintained in the Catholic Church. But at the end of the day, here's the fact of the matter. If we're looking to anything other than God's grace and repentance for salvation, you're lost. You're without Christ. Jehovah's Witnesses on their homepage, jw.org, has a section that says, who goes to heaven? God selects a limited number of faithful Christians who after their death will be resurrected to life in heaven. Once they've been chosen, they must continue to maintain a Christian standard of faith and conduct in order to not be disqualified from receiving their heavenly inheritance. To gain salvation, you must exercise faith in Jesus and demonstrate that faith by obeying his commands. So only, according to Jehovah's Witnesses, only 144,000 people are gonna make it to heaven. And they get that number for the book of Revelation. They don't fully study it out because you'll find out it's 144 Jewish male virgins. Uh, and <laughs> I haven't met any Jewish male virgin Jehovah's Witnesses yet. Uh, but the idea behind them is if they keep the commandments, then they might be chosen to be one of those 144,000. If you've ever gone to Alamoana Beach Park or gone to uh, Walmart, or sometimes you go to Alamoana and they got the little stand of magazines sitting there between them as, as you walk past them. We were in Waikiki the other night. They had a stand of magazines there. They were just standing there talking to each other. If you've ever noticed, they're not trying to engage people in conversation. They're not trying to get people to talk about their faith. You know why? Because at the end of the day, they're just punching a ticket trying to be faithful. Did you know that they actually log their hours of the number of hours that they're out each week on a, a spreadsheet when they get back? They even have an app you can download on your phone so you can log your hours on your phone and turn them in that way. Because at the end of the day, there's gonna be a spreadsheet given at the Kingdom Hall that has a list of everybody's names and how many hours they went out that week. Why? Because we're gonna see who the most faithful one is. So, if there's only 144,000 people going to heaven and I'm trying to make it myself, why would I want you to go? Think about that for a second. You're gonna take my spot. You're gonna outwork me. And you say, oh, that's kind of funny. Have you ever actually had a Jehovah's Witness try to engage you at one of their magazine stands? They're just punching a clock, folks. They're watching their watch to see how many hours they need to get in. They're standing there on the sidewalk. They don't want you to come to church with them. They don't want you to find a new life in Christ. They, they just want to put in their hours so that hopefully they'll go to heaven one day. Again, on their website, it says the Bible shows, according to them, the Bible shows that you must have works or acts of obedience to prove that your faith is alive. However, this doesn't mean that you can earn your salvation. It's God's gift based on his undeserved kindness or grace. You look at that and you go, well, yeah, that sounds like what we believe, right? Yeah, it does. The only problem is, is they've twisted it. Again, the, the devil's not gonna come out and tell you an outright lie. He's gonna take the truth and twist it a little bit. Oh, you've got to be faithful. You've got to keep the commands. And if you don't, you're going to lose your spot. But it's really a gift. Here's a box of chocolate. You can keep it as long as the house stays clean. And the second that it's not, I'm taking it back. 
I'll find somebody else who will clean the house and give it to them. That's not a gift. That's works. And let me help you with something tonight. A person who is a Jehovah's Witness is not a Christian. They're not a fellow brother in Christ. They don't believe the same thing we do. They just call God by a different name. They say, well, it's the same God. We just call him Jehovah. You call him God. No, different. Again, we're just hitting the tip of the iceberg here talking about works. Every single one of these false religions, we could spend weeks and months studying out the falsehoods that are found in them. Just know this. These are not our brothers in Christ. Next, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. They say that there's five things that you have to maintain to get to the celestial kingdom, which is what they call heaven. Faith, repentance, baptism, receiving the Holy Spirit, and enduring to the end. <laughs> Growing up as a kid, I'd never met a, another Mormon before. And it's funny too now, the, uh, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has come out and said that they're no longer gonna use the word Mormon any longer. You can look this up on the internet. They came out and said, no more gonna use the word Mormon because it has a negative connotation. So they're trying to rebrand themselves because they've gotten a bad rap for being a false religion. Funny thing, Jehovah's Witnesses have done the same thing. They don't come to your door and tell you that they're from the Jehovah's Witness Kingdom Hall. They come into your, to your front door and say, hey, we've got a great website we'd like for you to check out. What's the website? Here, just take one of our cards. Tell me what the website is. No, it's a, it's a website that you'll unlock all the, the, the power of heaven and God's blessing. What's the website? JW.org. Oh, no thanks, I'm a Christian. Oh, we are too. No, you're not. No lie, I had this, that exact same conversation with somebody. Oh, we're Christian too. No, you're not. And why do you beat around the bush to tell me who you are? Are you ashamed of who you are? I'm not ashamed of the fact that I'm a Christian. I'm not ashamed of the fact that I'm a Baptist. I'll tell anybody who wants to know that. I'm not trying to be undercover. I'm trying to be out and proud. I'm trying to let people know about Jesus Christ. I'm not trying to get people to go to a website. Come on. Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is we're not gonna use the word Mormon anymore because it has a negative connotation. We're gonna start calling people Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saint followers or something like that. It's like, good grief, that's a mouthful. But here's the idea behind it. As a kid, I didn't know anything about it. I thought that they were just a different type of church, like a, like a Methodist or Presbyterian or something like that. They'd have these commercials that would come on TV that would tell you to send away for a free book. I remember they had them on during cartoons on, on Saturday mornings. And they say, you can send away for this free book. Jesus is the answer to everything. And you're like, yeah, I could buy that. Jesus is everything that you're searching for. Yeah, I, I buy that too. Find ways to unlock heavenly blessings. Okay, these must be our fellow brothers in Christ. They're not. Interesting thing about Mormons is if you open up the Book of Mormon, which is in the front, and if you ever stay at a Marriott property, they usually have them in the, the desk drawer. Uh, the Gideon Project actually does a really good job of getting Bibles in hotels across America. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a group, it's a nonprofit group that puts Bibles in hotels. That's what they do. Uh, most Marriott properties have the Book of Mormon instead in the nightstand. I'm telling you this, uh, I don't know if they still do or not. They did uh, back uh, a few years ago. But you flip open the Book of Mormon to the very first page, and it says, Another Testament of Jesus Christ. That's what the, the, the title page says, Book of Mormon. Given by the angel of Moroni to the prophet Joseph Smith. This is on the title page there. And if you go back to Galatians here, and it says, If I come and preach another gospel or an angel from heaven comes and preaches another gospel, let him be accursed. So all we have to do is look at the title page of that and go, uh-uh, I'm not touching that. This is not of God for sure. According to the uh, Catholic Church, or I'm sorry, the Mormon Church, baptism is a symbolic ordinance of cleansing that signifies our rebirth as disciples of Christ and followers of his gospel. Therefore, this baptism must take place in the Mormon church and is the gateway through which we enter the celestial kingdom. Baptism is the only way you can be a part of the church. Baptism is the only way that you can get to heaven. It's the gateway to heaven, according to them. Oh, not true at all. According to the, uh, the Mormon faith, the fifth uh, tenet that you must keep is enduring to the end. Enduring to the end is the fifth fundamental of the gospel. Again, not the gospel, it's a false gospel. That eventually, get this, eventually leads to salvation. 
Taking the sacrament weekly is an important part of this process. And each time we partake the bread and the water, remember that Jesus Christ is atonement and remember the commandments of the restored gospel. And then we should spend the balance of our lives trying to live the commandments of the Lord so that he can eventually pardon you and cleanse you from sin. This is why when we ask people, if you die today, are you 100% sure you're going to heaven? They say, how can anybody know that? You can't know for sure. I'm gonna do my best and hope that I get cleansed. I'm gonna do my best and hope that I go to heaven. That's interesting because 1 John 5, 13 says, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life, even to them that believe on his name. You can know that you're saved because of what Jesus has done for you. We don't have to die and hope that we've done enough. This is the most concerning statement of anything that I've read because it's flat out spiritual manipulation. They say this, obedience to the church, its teachings and the prophet is essential for the Mormon to gain exaltation into the celestial kingdom. Obedience is the first law of heaven, the cornerstone upon all righteousness and progression rest. Remember that perdition or hell is reserved for apostates, those who leave the Mormon church and resign their membership in it. There's no salvation apart from total obedience of all laws and ordinance of the church. That right there, friend, is spiritual manipulation. Hey, if you ever leave here, just know that you're going to hell and hell's prepared for people like you. Good grief. You know what, we've got a word for things like that. You know what it's called? A cult. Where we use fear and manipulation and retribution to keep people in a place that they don't really wanna be. That's called a cult. You say, did you just call Mormonism a cult? If the shoe fits, wear it. I'm not trying to be mean, I'm not trying to be ugly, I'm not trying to put anybody down tonight. And know this, if you have a friend who's a Mormon, pray for them because they are steeped in a satanic lie and it's not their fault. They're not your enemy, you don't need to go to work tomorrow and make fun of them and make wisecracks about them or ask them about their holy underwear, okay? That's the thing in case you didn't know. Um, it's, it's not something that we need to pray for them. The Bible says the devil has blinded them to the truth that they can't even see the truth. It's concerning. Then we get into, so while we might think that, that Catholics and Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses might just all be our brothers in Christ and they're just, they just believe a little bit differently than we do, they're not our brothers in Christ because they don't believe the true gospel. Then we get into any other type of world religion. Every single world religion in the world says, do this, do this, do this, and hopefully that you'll make it. For example, Islam faith, they believe that go, to go to Jannah, which is their uh, version of heaven, that one must have faith and good deeds. They must help an orphan. They must be lenient with people. They must continue to seek knowledge. They must have patience. They must go to the mosque. They must have integrity. Uh, they must recite a certain prayer. They must memorize and read the Quran, and they must be good parents. And when you die, hopefully, you'll make it. Hopefully, you've done enough. At what point will you know that you've done it? <laughs> I don't know. You'll find out when you get there or when you don't get there. I can't imagine living my life hoping that I've done enough. Maybe I've been faithful enough. Maybe I haven't. Maybe I'll try a little bit harder. Maybe I'll do a little bit more. Maybe I'll be a little bit more faithful and I'll make it. Buddhism in the path of enlightenment is an eightfold path to enlightenment where you can achieve nirvana. The idea is behind this is that when we die, we're gonna be reincarnated until we figure out all life's lessons. And once we figure it out, then we can achieve a higher level of awareness of nirvana. And when we die, we will no longer be reincarnated. We'll live in this spiritual state forever. And to do that, you have to have a right understanding, right thought, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, right concentration. And if you don't, you get to die and do it all over again. But this time you might not be a person, you might be a cow, you might be an ant, you might be a fly. And again, it sounds funny to us, but if you know a serious Buddhist, and I'm not talking about somebody who likes to do yoga and has some Zen painting on their living room wall. I'm talking about a real Buddhist. They don't, they don't kill animals. It's one of the reasons why they're vegan because they believe that if they were to, to kill a cow and eat it, that could be their Uncle Zeke. 
And so this for them is very, very serious. They would look at people like you and I that uh, enjoy bacon or enjoy a good hamburger. uh, And they would say, oh, you're murderers. These people, um, they have souls. These animals, they have souls. (laughs) And all I know is what the Lord told Peter, to rise, kill, and eat, right? But again, they're looking at this path that they can go down, and hopefully they've done enough, and they're gonna work their whole life and see if they've done enough. Bottom line is, is this. A false gospel says that the church gives salvation, but the gospel, the true gospel, says Jesus gives it. I, I can have somebody over to my house and share the gospel and, and have them get saved. I can sit down at Starbucks and share the gospel with a guy and he can get saved. I can go out of the sidewalk and share the gospel with a guy and he can get saved. We don't have to have the church. We don't have to have a religious experience. Nobody has to get baptized. Nobody even has to get their clothes wet. He doesn't have to memorize any scripture. He just has to repent of his sins and put his faith in Jesus Christ. But you see, when it comes to Catholicism, you gotta be baptized by the Catholic Church. And if you weren't baptized by the Catholic Church, you're on your own. For the Mormons, you have to be baptized in the Mormon Church and maintain good behavior because if you don't, you get kicked out. And hell was created for people like you that get kicked out of the Mormon church. You take a look at Jehovah's Witnesses. Work a lot. Maybe the church and your service to the church and your obedience to the church, maybe that'll get you a spot in heaven. Maybe it won't. All those are false gospels. They're not a true gospel. You see, false religion says do. The gospel says done. False religion says do this, do this, do this, do this, and then maybe you'll make it. It's funny, sometimes people that are new to Christianity, you share the gospel with them, they get saved, and they say, okay, what do I have to do now? I sometimes tell people, now that you're saved, you've been adopted into the family of God, and you're a child of God. It's your job for the rest of your life to learn how to be a good son or a good daughter. That's it. What's the next step? The next step would be baptism. The next step would be discipleship, and that'll take you the rest of your life but you're saved right now and there's nothing you can do to lose that. And it's just like, whoa. I'm like, what happens if like I don't show up to church on Sunday? You'll miss out on learning how to be a good son. What if I like don't ever come to church? Then your heavenly father has a kid that went AWOL and he can't find him anywhere and he really just wants his son back. What happens if I sin? God forgives it. What happens if I sin a lot? God forgives it a lot. What if I like go off the deep end and like get major into sin? Then God has a rebellious child that is breaking his heart that all he wants him to do is come home and get his act together. So that's it, that's it. Do I have to take a class? You don't have to take a class. Do I have to get baptized? You don't have to get baptized, you should, but you don't have to. It's just showing people that you wanna follow Christ and people just can't seem to wrap their mind around it. It's grace. We live in a society today that wants to pay for everything, right? We live in a society that people have to do something for it. You get a couple guys, you go to lunch, and we argue over who's gonna pay for lunch, right? Because we can't have somebody owe us something. We gotta pay. Some people approach God that way. I can't just receive a free gift. I've gotta do something, right? No, faith alone. You see, if you must do anything other than repent to be saved, it's not grace. Anything that gets bolted onto the gospel becomes a gospel of works. That's what Paul was writing to the church at Galatia about. They said, hey, all the guys that are Gentiles, they need to be circumcised if they're gonna be followers of Christ. You're not, you're not real followers of Jesus unless you believe in Jesus and then get circumcised. And Paul's like, hey, time out on that. That's not the gospel. You're adding to the gospel. It's no longer the gospel. And if you have to do anything other than repent of your sin to be saved, it's no longer grace. Again, we we didn't even scratch the surface as far as false gospels that are out there. I grew up in Kentucky. One of the the very uh, popular religions there was what we called Church of Christ. A little bit different than the United Church of Christ, which is uh, prevalent here in Hawaii. Uh, United Church of Christ basically is not a really Christians at all. They're very, very liberal in their theology and their doctrine and uh, their acceptance of all types of heinous sin inside the church. Uh, I wouldn't call them a Christian organization, although they claim to be that. I don't know if anything about the churches here, but I know the United Church of Christ is a whole very, very liberal. 
but where I grew up, the Church of Christ, uh, I know that there's one over by the airport for sure uh, here on Oahu. Um, they believe that when you accept Christ as Savior, that's good, but you're not truly saved until you're baptized. It's the false doctrine of baptismal regeneration, that the water washes away your sin, the water gives you a new DNA, it gives you a new creature ability in Christ. So Christ's work was okay, but we've got to add water to that? No, that's adding to the gospel. And again, if someone is trusting in their baptism to save them, they are not saved. Simple as that. Repentance is all that's required. Final thought here tonight. The only thing we bring to salvation is our faith, our repentance, and our sin. That's it. Our faith, our repentance, and our sin. It's all that I bring. I don't come to God and say, hey, look at how good I am. I'm super religious. I go to church a lot. I'm a good dude. The Bible says all of your righteousnesses are as filthy rags in the sight of God. Not impressed by it. He's actually disgusted and repulsed by it. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but by God's grace we're saved. <laughs> by grace are you saved through faith. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And it's of great, if it's of grace, it's no longer works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. And if it's of works, it's no longer grace. Otherwise, works is no longer works. My faith in God I believe you are who you say you are. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for my sins. I believe that Jesus Christ is the risen Son of God. My repentance. Today I'm turning from my sin and turning to Jesus Christ because I believe that he's greater. I no longer want my sin. I only want Jesus. doesn't mean I won't come back to my sin or I won't sin ever again. It means I'm no longer content with my sinful condition. I just want Jesus. And I bring my sin and I lay it down at the feet of of Jesus Christ, and it has been put to death on the cross of Jesus Christ, and I am free, I am forgiven, I am saved, I am born again, I am a child of God, I'm adopted into the family of God, I'm seated at God's table, and I am forever, ever promised a home in heaven. That's as good as it gets, folks. Please don't allow anybody to muddy the water. Please don't allow anybody to bolt things onto the gospel. Please don't allow people to confuse the truth. You need to know your faith so that you can share your faith. If you don't know your faith, please let me know. We'll have a class later on this year where we go through and talk to you about how you share your faith. We did this past, uh, past fall. There's books on the back table called Paid in Full, free, no cost to you. It's a gospel presentation. It, it honestly takes maybe 30, 45 minutes to read been witnessing to a guy for a couple of months now. Uh, he grew up Catholic. Went to uh, Catholic school growing up, went to Catholic mass. Every single time the doors were open his entire life, he went to uh, Catholic high school. He graduated high school, went to a Catholic college. His parents are hardcore Catholic. And he came to our church. He heard the gospel. And he said, I understand what you're saying. I really do. I see what the Bible says. I really do but I just can't wrap my mind around the fact that all the good stuff that I do doesn't get me some standing in heaven. I said, it doesn't. He goes, I don't know how to process that because I've been told my whole life everything that I do is what gives me my stand, standing with God. Okay. I said, take this book and read it. Paid in full, give it to him. I saw him a couple days ago. I said, hey, did you get a chance to read that book? He goes, I'm on the last chapter. And he goes, I got so many questions. I said, when you finish that last chapter, call me. We're going to go to lunch. We're going to talk about every question that you have. He said, okay. He goes, it's just hard because this goes against everything I've been taught my entire life. He goes, I believe it up here. I see it in the Bible. He said, but my heart just says, this goes against everything you've ever known. And I said, what if what you were told wasn't the truth? And he goes, that's what I'm starting to figure out. Good. So it's one of those things, I didn't blast him with both gun barrels that he's in a false satanic religion. He's been raised in a lie since his very birth. I didn't do that. You know, I just tried to do, love him, encourage him, help him. Hey, read this book. When you finish reading that book, let's, let's grab lunch and talk about some questions that you have. 
I've been praying for you. I hope that you find the answers that you're looking for. I just try to love him to the gospel. And again, please understand this. If you have a friend who's a Jehovah's Witness or a Mormon or a Catholic and you go to work tomorrow and you light them up or you go home tonight and make some stupid thing that you post on social media with flames and stuff like that, you're not doing the work of Christ. I know you'll feel really righteous doing that, but it doesn't help anybody. The best thing that you can do is grab a friend and say, hey, let's grab lunch, let's grab coffee. Hey, what do you think happens when we die? Do you think you've done enough good stuff to actually go to heaven? What about all the wrong stuff you've done? At what point do you have to pay for that? Can I tell you a story of how all the wrong you've ever done in your entire life can be paid for? Do you have a minute for a story like that? And talk through the gospel with me. That will do wonders, wonders for you. And again, if you want to take everything we talked about tonight and go light somebody up this week, please don't tell them to go to our church. Seriously. And let me just tell you this. If I find out about it, I'm going to have words with you because that's not the spirit of Christ. But would you take what you've learned tonight and dig in a little bit deeper into your own faith? Would you take what you've learned tonight and say, God, allow me to share my faith to a greater degree? Allow me to find people that are steeped in a lie and deliver them from the truth? I think probably every single person in this room knows somebody that doesn't know Jesus Christ as Savior. There might be people in this room here tonight that personally don't know Jesus Christ as Savior. You've been trusting in how good you are or what church you went to or when you got baptized to go to heaven. And maybe tonight's the night you need to put your faith in Christ. But for me, there's people that I know and I love that don't know Jesus and I want to love them to Christ. But I have to have the right attitude. I have to have the right spirit. I really have to have the spirit of Christ. I want to be like Jesus and bring them along to the truth. I want people to see the love of Jesus in me so heavily that they're drawn to the gospel message because they saw my life. But it requires work on my part to show God's glory through my life. So next, next week, um, actually week after next, next week is gonna be our Be the Church night. The week after next, we're gonna take a look at another gospel that is a false gospel. And again, if you think that we're just here up here putting other churches on blast, you missed the idea here. Paul, in his writings to other churches, calls out people who are teaching a false gospel because he wants people to know these people are not our brothers in Christ. They're teaching a false gospel. The whole book of Galatians was meant to put the Judaizers on blast. These guys are not teaching uh, a true gospel. But again, if you think that we're just up here blasting other churches, you, you've missed the entire point of this. The idea is that we must keep the gospel itself very pure. Anyone who tries to pervert the gospel, we need to show that there's a difference between what the Bible says and what they say and, and stand true according to what the gospel says. Let's do something with that message this week.